go to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. So Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask, Lord God, that you would teach us. Open up the eyes of our understanding. And Father, for me, I pray that you think through my mind and speak through my lips. I pray let, uh, let your word go forth. Uh, you instruct your people. And we thank you for your kindness, your love, and your tender mercies. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Um, just as a measure of concern for all of us, there's some practical things that you should do tonight. I'm looking at my uh, iPhone. Something happened with it. The letters got smaller. So I was forced to buy a pair of glasses, my, you know, microscope glasses, because they're just so small. I don't know. When I first bought it, the letters were larger. So this is instructions they're giving us, resident managers. Uh, and uh, Crystal and I, as soon as this service ends, we have to run back to the city because I have to prepare uh, the building uh, for a hurricane. And she has to prepare hers also. So I, I am... Uh, right now thinking on two planes. I'm, I'm thinking on a practical plane, but I'm also rejoicing in the Lord because he's my protector. Amen. But as a practical, um, for buildings, if you have terraces, make sure you take everything out. If you have uh, pots, uh, flowers on your ledges and the windows, bring those in because the wind could very easily push it over uh, and it might hurt somebody or kill somebody. Uh, many times uh, during hurricanes, people die not because of the wind. They die because of debris that's, that's actually flying through the air. And it might be our debris. So make sure it's not your debris. Another thing, uh, they're saying most likely you will not have a train service as of 7 o'clock tonight. So uh, think about getting home before. I know you like to party. <laughs> like to go to restaurants and have a great time. But uh, I'm glad that... Uh, all of you, when you went to Bear Mountain, you did it yesterday, right? I saw it. It was a nice picture. I liked the picture. So you, Bear Mountain was beautiful yesterday, not today. Today, we get home afterwards. They are being suspended? 7 o'clock, yeah. So no trains, no buses after 7 p.m. So you might have to call in sick tomorrow. I know everybody's crying because of that. I know you're terrified and, and really saddened because of that. But you might have to force yourself to sleep in late tomorrow. And I, I know it's a sad thing, but so they're saying tomorrow is going to be probably uh, from 6 a.m. Monday to 6 p.m. Tuesday. That's when we're going to have the high wind effect. So just uh, be careful. Use wisdom that the Lord has given you. Uh, another thing, I just wanted to really congratulate all of you that went through the baptisms last Wednesday. <laughs> That was an amazing thing to see. I was overjoyed. And uh, the reason why we continue going to Brooklyn, you know, it's my pastor's church, so I can pretty much do whatever I want over there. <laughs> no, they're, they're wonderful people. Uh, and I was there sitting all the way in the back because I was watching, between Natalie and I, we were watching the, the little one. And uh, they kept on asking me to go to the front. I said, no, I'm watching the little one. But we got a prophetic word. Remember? We got a prophetic word. God said, don't worry about finance. 
He said uh, that the school that we had started is going to be able to start again. A couple of wonderful things God spoke uh, to us that day. I was blown away. Uh, but you know, let me tell you, man, you guys had a job this past Wednesday because those people are so overjoyed and so overwhelmed, man. You know, we have, we have a strategy. You get them in, you dunk them, you get them out. That's what you do. I mean, they were going in and they were like swimming and taking their time. Yeah. <laughs> they were having such a good time in there. Meanwhile, there were like 200 people that wanted to be baptized behind them. They didn't care. Oh, this is my moment. <laughs> that was an amazing thing. <laughs> well, it's on your stream? All right. Well, I, I, had, a, I had a great time. So, uh, better you than me. So I'm glad you guys had to deal with it this time around. It was great. I know you felt it. Well, listen, it's a precious moment. It's, it's, a, it's a historic moment for them. And you're, you're actually helping to shepherd that process and, and helping to be there with them. They're going to remember you for the next 20, 30 years, or for the rest of their life, for that matter. So, you know, we, we, we are so grateful that you are there. You know, you take your time. And, 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 and Tony and Belinda, thank you for discipling them and the team and the Sunday school. The whole package, the whole process. And we're only going to get better next year get more effective. Once we get our own place, it's going to help us to sharpen up some of the discipleship process. Because people need Jesus. They need to understand the word of, the God, uh, word of God for themselves. And once they do, you can't take that away from them. We don't want people that are away like little birds. Cheep, cheep, cheep. You know what that means? Cheep, cheep, cheep. They depend upon somebody to hand feed them. That's not what we want. We want to build up people that, don't, that know the word of God for themselves. At three in the morning, if nobody picks up your phone, they say, Pastor, sleeping. And boy, am I sleeping at 3 in the morning. And I don't pick up the phone. You know the Word of God for yourself. And you can declare the Word of God for yourself. Amen. That's what we want. We want people to mature and grow in God. So we want to teach them, educate them. I want to talk about investing in others. When we speak about uh, casting your bread upon the waters, that's, that's casting your bread beyond yourself. So you can eat your bread or you can take a portion of that bread and cast it upon the waters. The Bible says it will come back to you. See, according to the way God thinks about investment, he thinks about investment in terms of increase. He does not think in terms of loss. Consumers think loss. Man, if I buy this $200, it's gone. You know, I buy this, uh, uh, this, this nice pair of sneakers, $150, $200. But man, that's, that's hard work, hard earned. You got your sneakers, you love them for two months. And after two months, you don't care for them anymore. And you wish you had those $200 back. But a person that invests understands they're putting it, investing it, or uh, sowing it in something that's going to reap returns over and over and over in a given, not too distant future. The word invest, it's, it's a verb that means to commit money or something else in order to earn a financial or some other type of return. It's also to make use of your future, to, to make use of something for a future benefit or future advantage. For example... She invested her time wisely. See, if you invest your time wisely, you can get a friend. And that friend can create more friends for you. You invest your time wisely, you could invest your time in school. And you get a degree. And now, later on, when you go to the interviews, they'll always prefer you because you have a degree. So an investment presupposes that you're looking for a future benefit or a future return or future income or increase. But it also means to be actively or intimately involved or engaged 
in something or in somebody's life. For example, uh, they were deeply invested in their children's lives. So when you invest, you deeply connect with something, but you're expecting a return. My wife and I, we appreciate our children, and now we are learning uh, how to relate uh, to our grandchild, and we are investing in his life. But we're doing it on purpose because we love him, but we also expect a future increase. For him, we want to give whatever download we can give him now for his better future. So we're doing it on purpose. It's not a haphazard situation. It is something that we're doing on purpose. But I didn't know that invest also means from the, from the French, the old French or the old Italian, investeri, it also means to surround with troops or ships so as to prevent escape or entry. When you learn the power of investing, you will preclude anything from coming and taking away what's yours. Because there is a covering that takes place when you deeply invest in something. When we invest in the kingdom of God, not only are we sharing a point of information or love or some tangible gift, we're covering our brothers and our sisters in Christ. We're covering our community. We're covering our friends and family members. We're covering them in prayer. We're covering them in kindness and love. We're covering them with the love of God. So investing is a very spiritual matter. It's a very deep matter. It's something that takes energy. It takes sacrifice. And it also says something that blew me away. Because to invest also means to furnish with power and authority. When you invest in somebody else, you're imbuing them with power and authority. Because you're giving them something that's bringing them higher. Say to your neighbor, I want to invest in somebody. Because I want to bring them higher. Hallelujah. And another thing you do is when you invest, you're endowing with a quality or infusing somebody else with a quality. When you invest friendship, you're imbuing somebody with a quality of friendship. You're showing them, you're mentoring, you're modeling to them the beauty of friendship, the beauty of relationship, the beauty of a walk with God. And in essence, you're imbuing them with that very same authority or power. So we need to learn how to become investors in this day. So the, the year 2013, we're going to become investors, not consumers anymore, because consumers only want to take. In other words, what can that person do for me? We come into relationships many times because we're looking for benefit from that person, because we, they, we know that they have something that they could pass on to them. Well, what about us thinking of creating a friend so we could pass on something to them? That's what Jesus did. He came in to imbue us with power, with authority, with something eternal. He didn't come to receive. He came to give. For God so loved that he invested. You ever saw that verse that way? He invested his son. And the reason why I know it was an investment is because he was expecting a whole generation after generation after generation of sons and daughters. Through Christ Jesus. So we know God is the best and most effective investor in history. Glory to God. So when we think about investing, we're thinking about committing to something. We're thinking about making use of something we have today for future benefit for somebody else. We're thinking about involving or engaging ourselves intimately. We're thinking about all of this because we're expecting a return. And Almighty God made it very clear to us. He is depositing something in our hands, but he expects a return. So say to your neighbor, God 
expects a return. Hallelujah. Are we giving him his due return? John Mason one time said this. He said, we should look for opportunities to invest in others and to help make them better. <clears throat> Somebody did that once for you. Somebody saw something in you and reached out to help you. The act of kindness had determined where you are today. It may have been your pastor, your parents, a friend, a teacher, a coach, a neighbor, or just somebody who offered some extra money, prayers, maybe good advice, equipment, supplies. But whatever it was, that individual had the foresight and the resources to invest in you and to take a risk on your future. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you taking a risk in other people's futures? So God commissioned us. He has given us a trust. He has given us a stewardship for us to invest the gifts and abilities that he has invested in us. Now, his body, that's all of us, every single one of us, have the capacity to impact all the major institutions of the world. Some of these institutions are government. You know, God is moving some of you to government. It just blew me away. I just found out yesterday that one of my pastor friends, his wife is running for a local township. Uh, an office in local township in South Jersey. I'm going to be praying for her. Uh, Ernest Trueblood's wife is a good friend of ours. And so I got to call him up and say, congratulations, even before they get it. I'm just expecting that God's going to give her the favor to be able to invest her life in the community. What about media? Some of you, have, God is calling to media. God knows we need some godly people in the media. Amen. I'm amen three times. Yeah. Media, we've got some crazy people in media. And the thing is, some of our young folk, look at them as a, they're heroes. But when you hear them talk outside of the teleprompter, you know, you, you have something specific you have to say when you're in the novella, something specific you need to say when you're in a commercial. You can't just say what you want. There's a specific thing they make you memorize. But once you go off camera and they start talking, you go, oh, my God. God's got some weird ideas of life. And yet we think that they're heroes. My God, you are the hero, and you need to get into media. And what about family? We need godly families. We need men that will remain married to their wives. Wives that will remain married to their husbands. Husbands and wives will stay together and raise up godly children in the nurture of the Lord. Maybe you haven't seen that. Maybe God's calling you to be a model in your family. Glory to God. What about the arts? Arts, Hollywood, Broadway. What about education? God's calling us to education. Our children need godly teachers. What about law enforcement? We need godly men and women in law, law enforcement. What about medicine and healing? I, I believe that God's going to start depositing, downloading some beautiful healing, uh, I guess, processes to Holy Ghost filled people. They're going to be praying, and God's going to say, put a little bit, a little bit of this, get a little bit from this, uh, this tree, and, and put it together, and watch it heal cancer. Why not? Why can't it happen? Somebody took some old bread and made penicillin out of it. Hallelujah. Listen, the best things haven't happened yet. They're on their way. And I believe God wants to pass that through His people onto the world. Glory to God. In, in times past, when I was coming up, I've been in the Lord now about 39 years. And, hey, hey, hey. Un poquito respeto, por favor. Long time. Yeah, yeah, I've been, I'm a veteran, I'm a veteran. So, I remember in the 70s, 
1974 when I came to the Lord, um, they would stay away from all of that. No, you got to be in church. Be in church seven days a week in church. Got to worship God. Forget about all this stuff. Don't study. Don't prepare. Don't plan. Be in church all day long. Yeah, I remember those days. So I, I developed that. Yeah, okay, I'll stay in church. <laughs> we'll never do anything else. All day, all night long in church, we used to do what you call vigilias. You ever, ever been in a vigilia before? A vigil, all night long service. Imagine what Natalie's doing, all you guys jump. Imagine that all night long. All night long. So, yeah, we, we parted in the church and pretty much didn't do anything else. So the problem is, is we were never invested in community. They, they dissuaded us from studying and getting involved in politics and getting involved in things that today we could have been a great benefit in. But we realized that was a very big mistake because God has called us to occupy. Luke 19, 13, the Lord told us to occupy until he returns. He didn't say, stay in one place and get ready to be. He said, occupy. The word occupy is a military term. It means to take possession of, to control, to take hold of. Amen. We don't occupy people. We occupy circumstances, situations, places. Praise God. Regions. And then we release the people. We free them. We, we give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in other words, we need to be affecting every part of these institu institutions that I just mentioned. And I know we heard this before about two months ago when Bishop came and spoke. But I need to hash that out with you and remind you because in the year 2013, we have to become investors. I think uh, the week after next Tuesday is the elections. So regardless who gets uh, to be president, we're still going to have a lot of trouble, a lot of concern. A lot of people with needs. So the church is going to have to be more invested in community than ever before. We're going to need the wisdom of God because we're going to take from the government. We're going to take from this. We're going to take from private investors and start transitioning it and helping community with it. Helping our children with it. Helping our young folk with it. Helping our senior citizens. God gave a word many years ago to this ministry that we would be very involved helping senior citizens. And I'm looking forward to that day. Praise God. But one thing at a time. And so we're taking it step by step. And, and I appreciate what the Lord has told us. He said, if, in the Proverbs 19, 17, if you pity the poor and you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord and he will pay back what he has given. In other words, we really cannot give in the kingdom of God and lose. It's an investment. When God sees what we give, he says, okay, my son and daughter understand the principle. Now I could give them more so that they could continue to give. And meanwhile, you provide for your needs, you provide for the needs of your family because now you have more. But what do you do? Do you hoard it? No. You keep on giving. You keep on giving. Then God keeps on tentacling you to the point where you could give in more and more regions and to more and more people. Glory to God. Last Sunday, uh, after this service, I went to another service and uh, had a wonderful time with one of our daughter churches. And uh, just looking at them, how they are growing, how, how they're impacting their community, we could have kept them here. We could have said, no, you never leave. You stay here. We sent out about a good, I would say about a good 30 people to that church. And so today, when I see that they're Im impacting another region, I praise God. And I thank him because we were able to invest in another community, and now I don't have to do anything else. They keep on producing fruit more and more and more. And guess what? This church gets the benefit. This church gets the credit. God looks at us and says, you released those people to that region. So now I'm going to bless you with more people. I'm going to bless you with more ministers. I'm going to bless you with more that you will be able to send out to other regions. Hallelujah. You're doing that. You've done that. 
So now we have a church in the West Bronx. We have a church in, the, in Manhattan. We have a church in White Plains. Amen. We have, um, I, I don't know if it's a church per se, but it's a small group that gets together and talks to business people and families all the way in Argentina. Yeah, and we're in relationship with them. So little by little, we're continuing to grow more and more. So God is saying, he's seeing he could trust us because instead of keeping them, we're releasing them when they, you know, when they feel that call to be released to another region. Praise God. So I, I love that. But guess what? Because of that, now supernaturally, God's going to open up more and more doors. Say to your neighbor, God's going to open more and more doors. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And what about the parable of the talents? The parable of the talents made it very clear. When Jesus handed over a physical amount of gold to, to three men, he expected a return. So when they came back and multiplied the talents and gave it back to him, he said, good and faithful servant. Now I'm going to allow you to enter into the joy of your Lord. There's something that happens when you learn the, the, the principle of investing yourself in others. There is a joy that comes upon you that's supernatural in nature. And selfish people will never understand that level of joy. Because they're only in, you know, what's in it for me? I know, I know, but what's in it for me? That's how come I don't go to church. They're always asking you to work. Yeah? Well, well, let me ask you a question. Come Monday through Friday. What do they ask you to do in your job? Hey, pastor, that was a good word right there. All right. So I, I'm encouraging myself. I don't see nobody encouraging me here. <laughs> Listen, you, the problem is you don't understand what work is. Work is your gift to the world. It's your ability to share your gift to benefit someone else. So when you see work that way, you'll stop complaining. I always got to work so hard. I'm so tired. I hate my job. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. You don't have a revelation of who you are. You don't have a, relation, a revelation of what you're giving. You need to learn to love the fact that you're giving of your gift. Yeah, but I hate where I am. Well, doesn't God send light to the darkness? I'm not getting many amens today. Honey, I'm going to make this message even shorter. <laughs> so how can we do it? Number one. <clears throat> We can share and we can invest with our words and our testimonies. We can share his promises. We could share his love. We could share a better hope for the future. So your words, what are you doing with them? Are you just throwing them out there? Throwing caution to the wind? Don't care what you say? That's eh, just the way I am. Well, you know, stop, it's time to stop that. It's to stop considering what you speak. Because there's death and life in the power of the tongue. So instead of just throwing things out there, think, pray, and then send some life out to your friends and family members. So with your words and your testimony, what about your testimony? Well, I'm waiting until I go to school and, and get myself a master's degree. I want to first become a DD, doctor of divinity, before I preach. How about you just share your testimony? How about you just share that God loves you? Amen. You don't have to wait, wait till you become a DD. Some people, they want a lot of titles in front of them. Yeah, DD, M-O-U-S-C, and all that other stuff. People don't get impressed with that. They get impressed that you pray and they get healed. They get impressed that you speak a word and it, it, it moves them. Praise God. That's what impresses them. Number two, we can serve others like Jesus served his disciples. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 24 through 28. But Jesus called them 
to himself. And he said this, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And those who are great, they exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. See, he knew the principle of greatness. You want to be great? Learn how to serve a lot of people. What do you think a CEO is supposed to do? Oh, he's a CEO now. So he's got his, you know, guards. So he's walking around. His nice black car gets in. You know, his Mercedes Benz extended car gets in. Wow, I want to be just like him. Are you sure? Because that man or that woman, they're on the phone probably 16 hours a day. Uh, yeah, what about this region? Are we getting profit there? Going to have to shut down that factory. Going to have to let go of 30,000 people. Fourth quarter is not good. Oh, the shareholders are going to be very angry. I might get fired this week. You don't know the pressure that these people have. They serve a lot of people. That's what greatness is. You want to be great? Learn how to serve a lot of people. How about this? Why don't you just learn to serve the ones you have right around you now? And don't worry about being great. Just serve with all your heart. Serve like Jesus did and watch your service increase. Watch you get promoted. Hallelujah. Is, is um, Elder Jose here today? No. Not you know why he's not here? Because for four years, he worked with me. And I sent him over to a building. He got hired, became a porter, doorman. And he worked very hard at the building. And every uh, uh, resident manager that came in, he'd served them, and then they'd fire the resident managers. And then another one would come in, and he'd serve them, and they'd fire him too. The last guy that came in, he worked with Jose, and he liked Jose so much. He said, you know, you could do what I do. And then something happened with this guy. He got himself another job. So suddenly he said, I have to leave. Jose, I'm going to recommend you for the position. So, you know, he did. He recommended him to the board of directors for his position. Last Thursday, Jose called me. He had the interview. He's on three months probation on his new job. <laughs> Praise God. I'm blown away by that. But watch this. He did not go there for the position of resident manager. He went there as a position of porter. Wow. And when they told him... Clean that wall. He would clean that wall, the other one, and the other one, and also the floor and vacuum and mop with a smile. All of the other guys complaining. Hey, this place is always filthy people, filthy people. Excuse me, you know what filth means? That's called job security. <laughs> Hello, if the building's clean, we need you not. <laughs> And this is my philosophy. And I've been sharing that with him for the last, I would say, 15 years. Work harder than the average guy. Doesn't make a difference. If they're all complaining, you shine. Because when season comes, season doesn't care about your schedule. It shows up whenever it wants to. So if you're prepared, when season comes, it comes together and, and, and marries preparation. So season and being prepared is a magical thing. People say, it equals success. People say, are oh, you so lucky? Yeah, I know. I've been lucky for the last 10 years, working harder than the average guy. I've been preparing myself for season to show up for the last 10 years. But yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah, right. 
Hallelujah. That's why I tell everybody, don't wait for somebody to just hand you something. Shine right where you are. You don't know who's watching you. You don't know. You just simply do not know. Hallelujah. But season will come guaranteed sooner or later. And if you're ready, success. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's learn how to wash each other's feet. And then the last thing is the issue of the gifts. We can serve others like Jesus served, and then we can seek to maximize who we are. And I guess I already started thinking about that. I cannot be all things to all people. I recognize that now. So I've learned that the best I can do is be the best me that God, God is calling me to be. I've said that before, but I need to embellish that because in the year 2013, you're really going to need to be the best that you can be. Don't worry about anybody else. Well, I want to preach like she does. Who cares? Be yourself. I want to sing like him. No, sing in the tub while you're taking a shower. Doesn't make a difference. Not everybody has to sing like a butterfly or, or whatever it might be. I don't know. I'm just saying you have your own gift. You have your own set of abilities, and God expects to shine through you with that which he gave you. Hallelujah. Paul told Timothy that well, we all have gifts, and we need to stir them up. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 and 7, it says, Therefore, I remind you. So say to your neighbor, he's reminding you. I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. So you're anointed. You're appointed. You're gifted. You're commissioned. Hallelujah. So now we just have to activate it. That's the secret right there. Activate what you have now. Don't wait to a future magical season that in your head you have already predisposed to believe and say, when this happens this way, that happens that way, that happens that way, then that means God is ready to use me. No. How about you just start activating it now? Well, I don't know what to do. Well, become an usher. Get involved with a prayer. Get involved with a small group. Grab somebody and start mentoring them. Start evangelizing. Do something. Activate it. Amen. And if God's calling you to government, start learning about it. Start preparing you, uh, yourself. If God's calling you to go into the arts, start preparing yourself. Don't wait for somebody else. Don't wait for some lightning. Psh, you're walking down the street and say, Psh, oh, okay, must be time. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Amen. I, I'm, I'm starting to preach now. Praise God. In 1 Corinthians 7, 7, Paul said this, I wish that all men were like I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, and the other one has that. So, see, Paul knew that, and, and he was only interested in being the best Paul that he could be. And Ephesians 4, 7 and 8 says, Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took prisoners into captivity, and he gave gifts to people. Therefore, we ought to do all we can to share our gift with the world for their benefit. Remember, what is a gift? Who here can tell me what a gift is? Something you receive. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, that's part of it. Without getting anything back? Without any expecting. You're giving something without expecting anything back? All right, yeah, something you receive but somebody's given it without expecting anything. But all right, okay, it's a gift, something given freely. 
Now, a gift costs something. It's just that you're not paying for it. See, so the gifts that God has given you did cost something. When Jesus died on the cross, yeah, it cost God the Father the life of his son. And, and he lived a perfect life for us so he could be the atonement for all of us. So when he gives us that gift, it's not that we, oh, okay, yeah, I'm saved. All right, now I'm, I'm, I'm saved and sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. That was very expensive. So you need to honor the gift that you are. You need to honor the gift that you have. Stop downplaying what God did in you. Stop downplaying your purpose and your destiny. Stop downplaying the minister that God is calling you to be, that is raising you up to be. It's precious. It's unique. It is awesome. Say to your neighbor, you're awesome. You're expensive. Glory to God. So you need to recognize yourself as a gift from God. Freely you've received, now freely you give. Next thing you need to do is be grateful for your gift. Be grateful for who you are. Look in the mirror and say, you know, I thank God for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Third thing you need to do is recognize that God placed the gift in you, not for you, but for those around you. We want to heap the gift upon myself. That's right. I can sing better than anybody. Uh, okay. Now let's get to the next level and realize that first and foremost, you're not all that. God blessed you with the gift so that now you can get busy in serving somebody else. You know how you know you're called? You have a gift. Because you did not put that inside yourself. God placed that in you. Amen. The other thing is, is recognize also the gifts of others. You know, we have a bad habit in the body of Christ. We like to measure the value of a gift. That's a mistake because all gifts are important. There's nothing less important in the the sight of God. When he released you, he released you with care, with love. For somebody saying, "Eh, I don't like that one. I like this one better. They're making a mistake. They don't understand the value. Conversely, are you doing that? Oh, are you doing that? Don't do that. Because when you dishonor one of God's children, you're dishonoring God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So the last thing about the gift is you have to make sure and understand that because you have the gift doesn't mean you earned it. It was given to you. So you treasure it. You respect it. And you share it with the world. Hallelujah. Amen. So you, God already gave you the right to walk in the calling of God. He gave you the right. He gifted you. So don't walk around and just, yeah, I just have this little incy-bincy gift. I'm not like them. They got lots of gifts. I'm a little gift. Just a little one. Just a little one. Don't walk like that. You know, it's time somebody go behind you and slap your back. Boom. Because this is the way you ought to be walking. You ought not to be walking like this. Kings, kings and priests don't walk like this. They walk like this. They walk with a smile on their face. They walk with confidence because they know who they are. They know that they belong to a royal family. They know that they're ordained for this. They know that they have authority here on earth. So when you walk like this, you haven't caught the revelation yet. 
So anybody walking, I'm not saying for you to slap people in the back. I'm just saying we should because, man, it doesn't, doesn't look right. So, so in closing, God is looking for a return. And the return is people. The return is the benefit that you could render unto others. And in every, in every relationship that you have, in every opportunity that you get, that you, leave some of God there. Leave some of his love there. Because in the coming days, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're going to see this over and over again. People have needs. They might be dressed well. They might have a title before them, maybe doctor or something like that. They still have needs. And it is not only incumbent upon you, but it's a privilege to be able to make a difference in somebody else's life. Bye.